You made it to the Hidden Gems podcast, the podcast that highlights the journeys of small business owners, entrepreneurs, and creatives through conversation, interviews, and storytelling. Tune in every Monday for a new episode where I drop major gems, or at least my guests drop major gems. Today, I have a very special guest with me. His name is Rahman Ali. He is the owner and founder of the A Fighter for Life Gym. I'm pleased to be here. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. This is very exciting for me. Um, a lot of people who may be listening may not know that you also sponsor my husband, um, who is an, a professional MMA fighter. Um, you've been one of his longtime sponsors. I think you were like one of his first sponsors also. So it's amazing to be able to reach out to you and connect this way also. Um, and especially because you're a black owned gym, which is great. And especially going into the new year, new me, people are trying to get in shape and get healthy. And this month I really wanted to focus on health in all aspects. So it's great to be able to have, especially a black owned gym, a black owned gym owner on the show. So my first thing I wanted to get into, so why did you start your gym and what was the driving force behind getting into, um, this business? Well, Originally, it didn't start with a gym. It just started with me and self-improvement. I actually came to the sport of boxing quite late. I was 22 years old and um, really just feeling really down on myself and feeling really alone and in a very closed-out space. I was going through anxiety, depression, and... I could barely communicate with people. Um, I knew I had to make some changes and I had to make a shift because the space that I was in, I couldn't function. Mm-hmm. I had actually uh, previously before that, um, I was at Georgia Southern. This, now we're going to back, back about four, four more years prior okay. to this this moment that I was in, de- in depression. Mm-hmm. And I had a friend at uh, Georgia Southern who was known as Scrappy. Um, and um, he, he, he was a really good fighter, a street fighter, you know. Okay, at, yeah. That time, at that time, um, people would go to the club and they would go to the club for one or two things. They would go to have a good time or they would go to fight. I would go to have a good time and he would go to fight. And okay. he like uh, a crazy reputation for just being a really good fighter. And I always admired, admired him. He was a really good friend of mine. And so, you know, I was in his circle and um, I, would, I would watch him in the club moving around and boom, he would just be dropping people, knocking people out. And, you know, I, I would sit on the sidelines. It wasn't my beef. Right. I would just, you know, kind of, I was there on a whole other mission. We was just having a good time having drinks, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, he, he got down to Georgia Southern and he built his reputation. And, you know, he, he took me in as kind of like his little bro. Right. And, um, you know, time went on. I only did one year at Georgia Southern a couple years later um 
I had the opportunity to move out to California. Mm-hmm. And um, I moved out to California. He was there, you know, we, we were still really good friends at the time. And we were living in San Diego. And uh, we, we had plans to do this thing and the other. Um, neither of our ambitions and plans actually worked out. And we ended up damn they're homeless in San Diego oh, and um we were actually living in a motel in po- Point Loma mm-hmm. and we had Gold's Gym memberships mm-hmm. and uh, I was always big on fitness and running and just right. keeping myself in shape and um you know he he was fairly big on fitness but there there was a um a boxing ring and and and, and boxing equipment, mm-hmm. and because I had remembered how good he was at fighting, you know, I said, "Hey, Scrappy, can can you show me how to fight?" You right. know, and um, we're it's just it's just me and him in San Diego, and we we're, we're living in this motel, and um, we're. We're going to Ghost Gym every day because we, we didn't have very much money, so we didn't have very much to do besides hang out at the beach. Right. And um, go to the gym. Mm-hmm. So we go to the gym, and he said, well, you know, if you want to learn how to box, the first thing you're going to have to do is learn how to jump rope. So I couldn't even jump rope, you know. Oh, wow. I had... Very little rhythm. I'm half white, half black. So what? Just, trying to, just trying to figure out how to get this jump rope and rhythm. It was a very frustrating situation for me. And I took that jump rope and I threw it. Right. But I was I was like, I can't do this. But sure enough, you know, the willpower that was living inside of me wouldn't allow me to go back. So I continuously got to the jump rope, continuously got to the jump rope. He didn't really show me much boxing at that time. So we fast forward um, in San Diego. It didn't work out. We we ended up losing our motel, and we we was, like, on our last leg, um, actually living at his job, which was a child daycare center. Okay. And... You know, I wanted to stay. We were looking for jobs. I was looking for jobs. I had some great leads in San Diego. I don't know if you've ever been, but it is beautiful. Yeah. And I was just totally in love with the place, even though we weren't doing so well financially. I wanted to stay. But at the end of the day, um, he was my only contact out there. And his father sent us two plane tickets to come home. So I took it. Right. And uh, we, we ended up coming back to Atlanta. Um Fast forward, I think he ended up going one way, I went another. Um, he was in Tallahassee at that time, and then I had um, ended up getting a job and getting an apartment, and then um, he ended up coming back to Atlanta. We became roommates, and his father came up for a brief period of time and stayed with us because he had a con- construction job. Mm-hmm. So then I got to get more insight on where Scrappy really um, learned how to fight. And it was through his father. So his father came in and took us to um, Decatur Boxing Club um, over off of New Street, uh, off of College Ave, not about a block away from Agnes Scott. So at this time, you know, 
I'm kind of not really ready for the boxing gym. It was kind of like a, a new raw experience, but you know, we were all getting behind Scrappy because we thought that Scrappy was going to end up becoming a boxer and maybe even turning pro. So, you know, I was really there at the time to support him. Right. To be honest, uh, when he went <laughs> and did his training, I actually went on the side of the building and smoked a cigarette. Mm-hmm. I was at the, at the time I was still, um, smoking cigarettes. I, okay. I mean, I, I, I lived, a a life from about 15 to 19 that's quite contrary to the person I am now, you yeah. know? And, um, I, I didn't even train that day. I, I, we went home, um, fast forward about six months later, I started to fall and me and me and him kind of fell out. We went through a, a, a business that was, um, for promotions in the club and we did club promotions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, two young black guys getting together, trying to do club promotions and it doesn't work out. Our whole friendship kind of separated because we were paying rent at this uh, apartment. And uh, I think he ended up not being able to pay his side. He ended up going and staying somewhere else. And I stayed there. Of course, I had a job, so I was able to maintain it on my own. But um, at the same time, I was starting to get really down and depressed. And um, it was about six months later that I decided to go back to that boxing gym, of course, after I had mastered the ability to jump to rope. Because <laughs> <laughs> he told me, yeah, you're not going to do well in boxing. So by then, before I even got to the uh, boxing gym, I was getting myself up to jumping an hour straight on okay. the jump rope. Yeah, I was, I was going and I was living in this little neighborhood um, off of Wesley Chapel, and at the time, I, it's still there, but at the time, it was called Wild Wild Wesley Club. Oh. And yeah, it, was a, it was a rough little uh, neighborhood, but I, would, I was kind of already building myself up in the community as that, that person that was different. You know, I, right. I lived in a lot of little rougher areas after um, leaving college, and I started to focus more on myself and I kept to myself and they would always see me out there jumping rope or, you know, talking to the youth and and just doing things and actually going to work and maintaining the job. So it was just things about me that were a little bit different from the environment that I was in. Mm -hmm. And um, to, to wrap that up, I actually ended up at the boxing gym. I started training and I, um, like I said, I was I was doing it for self improvement. I was doing it to better myself. And at the time, I was actually getting into stock trading. So okay. I wanted to build some mis- mental discipline. <clears throat> and I got into the boxing gym and totally fell in love with the sport at 22 years old. Yeah. Excuse me, I just had a sip of water. Oh, you good? <laughs> and um. I fell in love and started working and it was a it was a peculiar situation for me at, at Decatur because the head trainer was constantly traveling. So he he wasn't giving the fighters and myself a lot of training time. Mm-hmm. And me being me, me being headstrong, I said, you know what? I'll start training you guys, you know, like we'll train each other. So we were kind of 
in in the gym, training each other, working with each other, and then you know I really started to fall in love with that aspect of um, giving and, and helping people improve themselves because that was the quest that I was on. I was on a quest for self improvement. Right. You, you know, at the time, I also thought that I would be a, a world-class boxer. Right. So, you know, we were going at it. We were doing our thing. Um, eventually, I started training the youth mm-hmm. at the Carrie Boxing Club. And I was really starting to um, build myself as a trainer. It's, it's not the ideal situation for... Uh, a fighter who has aspirations of being a champion because it takes a lot of self-train. It takes a lot of training for self. You know, Um, you're going to compete in... At that point, you're going to compete against people who are totally exclusively focused on themselves and training themselves, and they usually have a team of trainers that are training them. But, you know, I I wasn't. I was kind of dual training, training myself and training others. And as I started to continuously go down this journey, I started to realize how much more I like training others than actually going and fighting. Um, in my, in my spirit, it was never in me to go and beat people down it was always in me to build people up even before you know i I started to make those bad choices from 16 to 19 or 16 to 21 years old where i was doing things that are totally contrary to what i would be doing what i'm doing now i still was that person around everybody who would be uplifted or say little things that would just be inspirational and now that was carrying on in me in a new way and it was training people Mm -hmm. so i started training people and i started training the youth uh i built the incredible youth program at decatur boxing club and um i had a a great um adult fitness program and i had i had a lot of clients and um I was doing really well for myself in in conjunction with working actually a couple other businesses. So, you know, at this time, we're already, you know, of course, I had got married in 2015. Um, I had a a child and, you know, life was starting to um, transform for me. And, um, you know, I, I worked myself out of that dark space through boxing. And I seen how the sport and the activity in the sport of like training and cardiovascular, mental, physical, and spiritual training was being executed all simultaneously through the sport of boxing. And and I seen how that was helping so many people around me who I was training, you know, they, they didn't quite, grasp the concept of what was happening but their spirits were being lifted um their performance and their endeavors was becoming better and they were testifying to me about the benefits of what they had received through my training and it was giving me a level of gratitude that 
I, I really needed, you know, it, yeah. it was helping me grow. It was helping me become the person that I wanted to be because I was a giver, you know, right. I, I wanted to build people up. So it started to, um, it, st- it, it started to validate who I was in my spirit and my soul. And it felt so good. And I just see myself growing and growing and growing and feeling better. And um, like I said, I was a serial entrepreneur. I had a, a moving company running alongside. Right. My I remember business. that. I had a yes, and I had a, a furniture business uh, moving alongside. So I started to do well um, financially. And then now we're coming all the way up to um, 2020 and COVID hits. Mm-hmm. Um, for one reason or another, I feel like, you know, I was starting to outgrow Decatur Boxing Club. Okay. Um, you know, I was I was just getting to a point where the relationships were starting to become a little skewed and perhaps it was my ambition and my abilities, you know, making the environment a little uncomfortable for mm-hmm. the owner. Mm-hmm. You know, just being an all honest truth as we, you know, give this podcast. Right. And um things started to go a little south there and then COVID hit. And um, it was just some things that were exchanged. And I said, you know what? I'm going to just leave now, you know? And it was, it was, it was still a really good program. You know, COVID hadn't revealed itself as this big monster that it has become, Yeah. but it was a breaking point. You know, it was okay. Well, let me just go ahead and let this situation go. And I walked away from a lot. I still had a lot of clients there. Um, people still wanted to train, but I just said, you know what? I'm going to take my training home. Okay. I opened up my basement and I started training people there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I had, I had a, a much smaller group of people coming because it was just a different situation for a lot of people. It was, it was COVID going on and it was my home and people were, you know, used to going to the gym. Yeah. So I did that for a while. And um, now we're getting about into April or, 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 or May of this year. And I had a client who had been a client of mine for a long time. And he actually ended up, you know, being my barber. We started bartering. Um, he, he would come in and get training and I would go to him yeah. and get a haircut. And, um, you know, he was telling me about this space off of Metropolitan for a long time, you know, but I was at Decatur. I had a a whole list of clients. Um, I was doing really well at Decatur. So he would mention this space like, hey, man, you know, you need to come check out this space. And in my mind, I was totally comfortable just staying at Decatur. You know, I would I would probably still be there if things didn't go south you see what i'm saying as far as um the relationships um i would probably still be at decatur right now and i would tell him man you know i'll I'll think about it but in my heart of hearts i was like shoot i'm good you know this situation over here is comfortable (laughs) you said the key word and that's what i would tell him i would say you know i'm pretty comfortable here you know what i mean because if you've ever been it's a beautiful space it has a beautiful energy that resides in the building and like i said i just had a list of clients and i had a good 
I had a good um, business situation. Right. Um, you know, so it was working out for me. But um, then, you know, fast forward, now I'm training in my home. Um, COVID is still going on. COVID is, is, is here now. And um, he's, he's he mentioned to me again. So I checked the space out. I went I went with him. We, we met. Um, you know, I, I actually had the credentials to uh, contact the the, the uh, leasing agent mm-hmm. who, who had possession of the building because, you know, I, I was in a situation where, you know, my credit was good and, right. you know, my, my paperwork and credentials were in a, in a, in a status where I, w- I would be approved for the place. Right. So, you know, that was, that was another key element of why we... Um, actually got together on that you know i was i was a good person for him because he wanted to open up a barbershop okay so now we're here in this space and i tell you the space on metropolitan was a total dump you know but it was a great cutout you know and i seen it Mm -hmm. i seen exactly what it could be despite what it actually was at the time i mean you know, you you've seen the inside of the gym now. It, I mean, it looks amazing. Well, I appreciate you saying that, but what it was was a total dump, and there were walls built. It was actually a place for people to go and get their windows tinted. I think they did stereo things out of the place, okay. and then it went vacant for years. And uh, it looks like you know homeless people was living in there at some point mm-hmm. in time. Um, cats were living in there Ugh. at some point in time. So yeah, it was a lot of cat feces. A lot oh my of god, that's disgusting! Of, all all kinds of stuff was going on in there, and we totally gutted it out, cleaned it out scrubbed it down and then we had the base of this of the building and then we put tons and tons and tons of work and labor and uh, construction and lighting and all of these things that we put into this building and we had no knowledge no um, training in how to do any of what we did, all we had was vision and willpower. And, you know, I, I'm really grateful that um, my partner, G.A. the Barber, he, he kept bugging me about coming right. to check that spot out because it was him who discovered it and pulled me into that. And then my mind and my vision really got to turn and then we created something that is a G-E-M, you know, just like you say, a hidden... Gym. Gym, that's what right. that was. That was a hidden gym, and now we we're there on Metropolitan Parkway, eighteen ninety seven Metropolitan Parkway, with a beautiful space for the community, and we put that space in an area that people don't go and invest in. You know, right? Metropolitan is it, not a it's not a glamorous spot in Atlanta. It's not a glamorous spot, but we have something so great for the community, for the children. Um, you know, all the dope boys have received us on Metropolitan. They, <laughs> like, what we, they like what we're doing. You know, they they've um, they've brought their children in, um, so and and we're also starting to attract the the broader 
metropolitan area because we're so convenient. I swear, I don't care what direction you're coming from. We're right. only 20 minutes yeah. and um, even less than that. A lot of people are saying if they live in East Atlanta, they're getting to us in 10 minutes. Yeah. If they live in West West Atlanta, they're getting to us in eight minutes. You know, so mm-hmm. we're convenient to millions of Atlanteans and you know they have yet to even discover us and mm-hmm. even without them discovering us since we've opened and um June we opened at the end of June we have done nothing but grow even in the face of this 100 foot tidal wave mm-hmm. called COVID we have still been able to grow as gyms have started closing or gyms are on the last leg we are just growing we serve in the community we serve in the homeless we have uh campaigns that we run for the homeless and yeah. since we've been open we've given 300 meals to the homeless we've given 150 bags of care packages to the homeless and we have another one coming this saturday where we're going to do another 100 bags and we have coats and blankets we've been giving out coats and blankets before but we have a ton of wall full of coats and blankets and shirts and socks and hats and gloves and the people who are part of the Fighter for Life boxing fitness program are actively engaged in this and people are buying into it and and, and what I say is that people are being the brand of what it is to be a fighter for life because I originally started this business for self-improvement self-improvement of others and people are coming to it exactly for that i have so many people who testify man i chose your thing because i talked to you for a little bit and then they tell me i've been dealing with this i've been dealing with that and i'll be like yo say no more it's exactly why i opened the doors welcome welcome to your family and then we get to get together and, and do things for people less fortunate than us, like the homeless. And we have so many other initiatives that we want to attack in the community. And we're in the community that needs us most. most. We didn't take this this um, thing to uh, Midtown right. where people want to go and get straight to the money or mm-hmm. to, took it into a, a, a middle-class area. We took it into the area that needs us the most. And like I said, we've still done nothing but grow because people People are traveling in. I still have that whole host of clients that was with me at Decatur. A good bit of them have found their way to uh, Metropolitan Parkway. And we are just elated and growing and blessed yeah, to be sure. in the situation that we're in. And um, I don't know if I answered your question of how I started the gym. <laughs> you definitely did. I gave you a lot of background and story, but um, I think it was important for me to kind of build that up so you yeah. could really see the timeline and the understanding of who I was and where I was and how I transformed and how I used that transformation to give to other people. Yeah, no, it's definitely important for you to give your backstory because you have such an amazing backstory. Um, I love the idea of you working on self-improvement and ending up like in your journey of self-improvement, you helped improve other people as well. That's awesome to be able to give back unknowingly, but then also to turn around and make it your business 
to make sure you're giving back to the community that you're in. A saying that my mom always used to say to us growing up was you want to leave the earth better than you found it. And I think that you're really doing that, um, especially with everything that I see you doing on Instagram and Facebook and all of that great stuff. So, I mean, I applaud you for everything that you've done um, in that, especially in that community. Like if people from Atlanta, y'all know what Metropolitan is like, (laughs) but people who are not from Atlanta, I don't know, like it's a hood like that's the only way i can really describe it it's a hood right yeah southwest atlanta but we have an acronym the swats yeah yeah it is and it's it's like that it's it's tough over there like when i was younger and this is totally off topic but i went to a party i had rode with a friend and then like i ended up riding back but i don't know why they couldn't get me back to my house we were on off of Metropolitan and my mom was pissed because I had to call her to come get me. And it used to be a running shoot over there. And we were parked in front of the running shoot. And my mom had like she had a really bad backache that day or something like that. It was like four o'clock in the morning. She put my little brother in the car and they came and got me and she was cursing me out the whole way home. She was like, you don't even understand what type of area you're in and blah, blah, blah. And I didn't at that time. Like, I was just like, dang, I just really need somebody to come pick me up so I can go home. Like, <laughs> Oh, my God. It was the worst. And like being on Metropolitan at night is not the best place to be, especially for a 16 year old girl. So <laughs> um, well, let, let me say this uh, a little bit of backdrop on Metropolitan Parkway. Actually, when I was in my moving business, I had to deliver some furniture to um, it's it's called, I forget the name of, it's called something on Capitol Hill. Because mm-hmm. that's also the area that is known as is Capitol Hill. The apartments on Capitol Hill. Okay. These apartments for people in Atlanta, they know it's on the corner of Metropolitan and University Ave. And and for people who don't know this area, I think a great landmark for the whole nation and the world to identify with where we are, this is one mile away from where Rashard Brooks was killed at mm-hmm. that Wendy's. So we're, we're in that area. Everybody knows Rashard Brooks and the story of him being killed at the Wendy's for mm-hmm. falling asleep. And then he was shot by the police. Right. Um, but moving back to the story, I was delivering furniture on on uh, uh, on University and Metropolitan, and I could not deliver my furniture because there was a group of guys hanging on the stoop with their pistols out and and talking to me like, "What are you doing over here? See, I'm coming over there clean shaven, and I don't know if they were paranoid and thought I was the police or right. what, but I mean, they weren't saying it in the nicest tone, but yeah. they had their guns out, like, what you doing over here? What you want? Who are you coming to see? And you said, and, and, and you know, I chose to just not even deliver the furniture because I knew I wasn't going to leave with the money, okay? Right. So I said, you know what? I just I just left. I said, you know, don't even worry about it. I'm trying to deliver this furniture, but it's all good. And they were like, you know, they were just in a total tough guy routine. And, you know, I was 
it's like it's no ego necessary to come out of me mm-hmm. I'm gonna leave right period <laughs> <laughs> yeah I told those people hey, I'm sorry I can't deliver this furniture to you you're gonna have to find somebody else and that's <laughs> the only time that's ever happened but that's yeah. the type of area that that is yeah so we talked a little bit about your community service, your efforts in the community. Why is it so important for you to, you know, incorporate that into your business specifically? Well, I, I'll, I'll say this going back into and everything I think for people is just a collection of experiences. And um, I actually was almost homeless myself. Right. I spent much time um in motels, having to live in this motel or that motel. Um, I spent six years without a license, and I was living in, like I said, rough places. I was living off of McDaniel Street, which is um, another part of southwest Atlanta, you know, for people who know about, you know, the west side of Atlanta, McDaniel Street, Castleberry Hill. Mm-hmm. And, you know, without a car, you do a lot of walking. You know, I, I was always still a working man, though. I maintained a job. I um, I maintained handling my business. At the time, I was a part of the gym. I was a part of the Cato Boxing Club. I had the youth. I had my own ambition still as a fighter. So I was never one to just hang out in the neighborhood with the crowd of the neighborhood. I was always different, but I would do a lot of walking, and I would do a lot of walking through areas where... It was, you know, a lot of homelessness. You know, you seen the decadence in your neighborhood. And my heart always went out to those people who were out there because I was still grateful and blessed to have a, a, a warm apartment to go into with heat. And I would I would lay in the bed sometimes at night and I would literally cry in my bed because I would listen to the wind um, whipping and it was cold and you know I I got to know some of those homeless people out there like you know I was the boxer out there so they would see me running they would talk to me and and I was on my uh, quest in Islam and I was was soldiering as a FOI in the nation Islam and you know we are little um saviors for the people you right. know that's that's what we're, we're we're taught and trained to become little saviors for the people so my heart went out to those people who were just downtrodden living in the streets and and, and, it, and like i said i would i would I would sometimes i would i would shed tears in the bed just knowing that somebody's out there having to bear the elements mm-hmm. so it was a it was a very personal thing to me, and um, you know, even though I was still going through my own stresses and my own um, depression, you know, I was branding this business called a fighter for life, and I think you know when you when I say be the brand and be a fighter for life, a fighter for life is one who's gonna give back to those who are less fortunate a fight for life is gonna get out and serve the community you know because that's who i was i was a person that wanted to build other people up so you know i've tied this brand in with the community you know the fighter for life brand with the community because Mm -hmm. 
that's what needs to be done, you know. And when I tell people now more than ever, you got to be a fighter for life. I really mean it, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think we have such a organic situation that can grow into something huge. And when I when I see a fighter for life, I see it affecting the mentality of masses of people to get them back connected with those they feel disconnected from. I mean, all too often we come with our preconceived notions of why homeless people are in the situation that they're in. We come sometimes in a judgmental form as we see them out in the streets asking for money or asking for these things. But, you know, like I said, I personally got to know homeless people and I was almost out there on the streets myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I also look at it in the situation that nobody's perfect, you know, and um, when we think of God who is perfect, right. we, 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 we call to him and we pray to him and we hope that he hears us and answers, answers us. But if you really look at who God is and who, who we are, we, we, the difference is way greater than who I am and who that homeless person is. Right. You see, the way we move could be so detestable to God. The way we act, the way we think could be so detestable to God, but we call to him and we pray to him. And a lot of times we expect him to answer us, but that's the same way we need to look at the situation when the homeless people or when people in need come to us and pray to us. Because if we want the almighty God to answer us and hear us, we should be more willing to serve those who some of us see as detestable. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You see the relationship of what I'm trying to explain? Mm -hmm. And that's what's in me. And that's what the fighter for life wants to bring out and put into other people, you know, because at the end of the day, we all die right. and we're going to go back to the creator and hope that he allows us to live with him. But what he's going to do is he's going to look at our deeds. He's going to look at our actions. And I remember, um, I read in scripture, you know, how the, um, the people were talking to Jesus and, 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 and he said, and they said, um, Jesus, did we not clothe you? Did we not feed you? Did we not, you know, give you drink? Mm -hmm. And he said, what you, what you didn't do for the least of my people, neither did you do for me now mm -hmm. away from me. So we have to get into the mindset of service because that's what we're here for. We're not here for self. Right. We're actually here to serve, and that's what the fighter for life, the fighter for life brand is about. It's about service. Yeah, I definitely um, see that in everything that you guys do. Um, so you already talked about what it means to be a fighter for a fighter for life. <laughs> uh, the brand you do. You know? Yes. You do have to be the brand. Like you have to eat, sleep, drink, and live it. Um yeah. in in order for it to be portrayed the way that you want it to be portrayed for sure. Mm -hmm. Um 
And that starts with self. And that starts with self-improvement. Yes. Self-improvement is a huge, huge, it's huge, but it's like a huge journey. Mm -hmm. I mean, even listening to Mm -hmm. your story and listening to you talk about it, like I'm just in my head, I'm illustrating it as like a journey, like a person who is on this, on this path, trying to, you know, reach this ultimate goal. And these acts of service that you um, have illustrated along the way, I mean, that's just, that's amazing. Because I don't think that that's something that and I'm just speaking to the aspect of small business owners. A lot of small business owners or entrepreneurs getting their start think about. They don't think about like service. How am I going to give back to my community or the people around me or the community that my business is in? You know, I think people just get into the I need to be in a good location where I can make money. And, (laughs) you know, but I mean, you definitely taking a different approach to this um, to business just in general. And uh, I think that, I mean, I know it's going to pay off in the end. I feel like it's paying off already because you've already improved so much um, yourself. And then to be able to inspire others while inspiring yourself, that's an amazing feeling. I can also personally attest to that. Um, So what was one of your biggest challenges when it comes to staying motivated, though? Because you seem like you're such a motivated person, but like, when you're having challenges where you kind of maybe feel like you're getting in a rut, how do you keep yourself motivated? Um, through service. Okay. Through the service every day I get to love and love has such a great joy in it, you know, and trust me, there's, there's been days where I've cried right before class because things feeling so hard mm-hmm. for me as a human being you know because life as a black man right and a husband and a father and a independent business owner is not easy right it's not easy but Every day I get to love I get to do what I love to do and it brings forth a joy in my heart that soothes my pain. Right. You know, because we're all going through this life and a greater part of it, we're living in pain, you know? Yeah. But the only thing that is really giving us the healing is the joy of love. Mm-hmm. And um, I get to serve people and I get to watch them enjoy what it is that I provide and it just keeps me going. Yeah. It keeps me going when I see the children growing and, you know, whatever their issues are, are fading away. And, and, and the adult men, you know, who just came out of prison are coming to me and they're transforming and healing. It's a beautiful situation that just it can't help but motivate me. And for me now, life and I always look at life as the end game which is death. And um, I just want to be able to stand in front of my creator and him say, you know, job well done. Yeah. You know, that's really what it comes down to me now, you know, and what happens between now and then, sure, you know, I want to live the best of life, even in this world that we live in. We live in a material world. You know, so, yeah, we do want those things and I want to be able to provide those things for my family. But 
whether it works out financially or not, I will always just enjoy just being able to serve the people and that's where I get my greatest joy from. That's where I feel most alive when I'm in there going through the motions and we all sweating and we all feeling good and, and, and bumping fists and slapping fives yeah. and I'm seeing people actually able to express themselves in the same way. Now I got a few trainers in the gym who, yeah. who are, and, and all of that is what, you know, really keeps me going. You know, this fighter for life brand and and leaving it behind for the world, you right. know, something that keeps me going. You know, I, I got aspirations to see people all over the world say I am a fighter for life and mean it. You know, this, yeah. I feel like this brand is one of the only brands in the world that you can say I am. Yeah. Whatever that brand is, you know, nobody says I am Nike or I am Adidas. But right. We have a brand that you can say, I am a fighter for life. And for me, that's the mission. Yeah. And, and, and to leave the world, like you said, better than we got it. Yeah, I was and I. um, Oh, my God. I read something about the power of I am and like to be able to say that and have that as a part of your brand. That's just powerful in itself. But I do have a funny story to tell you. So you do sponsor my husband, and I don't know if you— Hold on. We can't just—your husband is my best friend. Yes. Your husband was the best man at my wedding. Yes, he was. let's put that out there and and really bring it all all together. (laughs) Do you know that he almost passed out at your wedding? Yes. Did he ever tell you? <laughs> yes, he was. He was working hard, training for that fight. Y'all were on the process of moving. Oh my god! Again, yes, I remember all of that. That yeah. man. Oh my god, he's yeah. hilarious. Um, so he used to tell me how y'all used to go run up the mountain, um, and like how circling all the way back to how you talked about how you were always, you know, basically a, a cardio guy, like you running, yes. you're jump roping, and he would say how like the. There is a slope for the people who don't who have never been to Stone Mountain. There is like a very steep slope and they have a rail um, for people to hold on to as they're going up and coming down. And Nate was telling me one day how y'all were running and, you know, he's running, he's hanging in there and then they get to the slope. And at the slope is pretty much where everybody slows down. But he was like, y'all got to the slope and you took off like up the mountain. (laughs) And he said they were still I don't know who it was who was with y'all, but he said they were still, you know, trying to get up. And you you've gone up and come back down. And he said you were coming down and you were talking to them going backwards up the mountain. And I'm just like, what? Uh, And I think that's kind of like in a way, illustrative of, you know, your journey. You went up the mountain with your with your people um, for yourself at a point you left your people because you had to. I mean, to achieve what you had to achieve, but you came back, you know, mm-hmm. you came back to get them. You talked them through it and you still went back up with them. And eventually mm-hmm. y'all all finished together. So yes. I think that's kind of for me in a weird way, I guess that's kind of illustrative wow. of like you as a person looking out for your people in at, at the same time as you looking out for yourself, you know, um, in a good way, not in a, a negative way, because I know like some people might misconstrue that, but in a great way, you know, yeah. building up your people. Yeah. yeah. Um, so 
I think this is my last question because you did answer a couple of my other questions just in conversation. Um, But what do you think physical health translates or how do you think physical health translates over to being mentally healthy and spiritually healthy? Oh, that's important. Mm -hmm. Wow. You said, ask me one more time. How do you think physical health translates over to being mentally and spiritually healthy? Well, I, I, I can sum it up kind of easy, but then it, it gets so much deeper because I'll start like this. When you feel good, it, 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 it gives you a feeling. And the way you feel is, in a lot of ways, based on your physical health and your physical appearance, you know. Mm-hmm. So many of us when we look at ourselves in the mirror and if we don't like what we physically see, it creates a mental thought. Mm-hmm. And then that mental thought translates into a spirit. Mm-hmm. So the three are so intertwined with one another that it is very important that we keep up our physical health first we want to be healthy it's hard to be mentally and spiritually sound when we're not healthy you know or when we feel like something is creeping inside of us that could take us out right and, and and cause us to die before our time because of a physical thing so it's so important on that level to be physically fit, you know, at least physically fit enough to whereas your self-esteem is not compromised, you know, because like I said, that creates a mental thought and mental thoughts create spiritual vibration. Mm-hmm. But eventually all of our physical attributes begin to fade, you know, and I think what's so much more important is the will that resides inside of us, you know? And a lot of that will is built through physical activity. So we all are going to fade and we won't have our best physical form in our older years. But Lord willing, the willpower that we developed through the um, physical activity will help keep our minds strong. Mm -hmm. And as long as we can keep our minds strong, we can keep our spirits strong. And see, once again, it's the willpower. And like you said, me going up the mountain and coming back and getting my buddies and going up the mountain too, that's willpower. Mm -hmm. And willpower is how things come into fruition through the mind, you know, and the will and the mind and the spirit all work together. And as we're younger, the physical is intertwined in that all, you know, so it's, it's very important to keep your physical abilities up as long as you can. But what's so much more important is to keep your mind healthy. And um, like I say, that activity, that physical activity helps keep the mind balance you know when we do exercise we have um um like a a chemical reaction happening inside our body Mm -hmm. and um 
if you ever did chemistry and a lot of times what, <laughs> nope. you, what, what you need in order to get the right um, compound is heat. You okay. have to put heat heat onto it. So when we do our physical activities, we're actually heating our bodies up and right. having a chemical reaction happen in our bodies where we balance out a lot of the fluid and chemicals that are in our brains, you know, and that's why, you know, I advocate physical activity for people who are suffering from depression, you know, because you start to let endorphins go off and serotonin and things that will bring back balance to your um, brain. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a good, healthy brain will help promote a good, healthy spirit, you know? So, yes, it's very important, you know, on all three levels, you know, mind, body, and spirit. And and that's a lot of times when I'm training the youth, I say, it's time to get right, get right, get right, get right, get your mind right, get your body right, and get your spirit right, Right. you know? Because I know that's what we're doing when I'm making them do those push-ups. Get your arms right, back right, chest right, everything right. Get strong, mind strong, body strong, spirit strong. Mm -hmm. I say this to my children all the time. And, you know, I watch them all work their little tails off because I'm telling them what to do. Because they get it. They're starting to feel it at at an early age, you know. And that's very important for me that the next generation does better than us. Like I said, at 15 years old, 16 years old, I was almost smoking a pack of Newports a day. Wow. Yeah. I was on the road to death early. Mm -hmm. So what we're doing now is taking away some of those generational curses because my mother would smoke a pack of Mm -hmm. cigarettes a day. You see what I'm saying? So now we're, we're able to use the experiences that we went through to help steer our youth in a better, more positive direction, you know, and, 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 and these are the things that are near and dear to a fighter for life, you know, working with the youth, working with the community and making sure that we're all physically, mentally and spiritually healthy. Right. It's kind of like um, it's kind of like life is kind of like a triathlon, like yes. there's three parts. Uh, bike or swim bike run right um i fun fact about me i have completed a triathlon before so technically i could yeah it was when i was like 23 years before it was like right before nate and i reconnected because you know nate and i you know our story uh so (laughs) um but my my trainer at the time was always like he was constantly like you got to be prepared you got to be prepared for the run people never prepare for the run because uh, you know according to what he always used to push into me people would swim and they would bike and they would prepare for swimming and biking but nobody prepares for the moment when you have to get off that bike and run Mm. after swimming a mile or so in the ocean or how, wherever, you know, your triathlon is or however long you have to swim, you get on a bike, it's cool. Like the bike isn't really a big issue. But when you get off that bike after putting your legs and your body through all of that, that is where that mental like strength has to come in because your legs feel like jelly. And like it literally feels like you're wobbling trying to get yeah. like you're learning how to rewalk again, kind of like a baby. And you have to, yeah. yeah, you have to be mentally strong. And I mm-hmm. think that 
being physically strong, being mentally strong and being spiritually strong, all they definitely all coincide together. Um, You I don't think I mean, you can be one without the other sometimes, but I think you can never be like just one, you know, a whole person. Right. And and in order to be a whole person, you need to be strong in all of those areas. And being strong doesn't necessarily mean you're never going to be faced with adversity or things aren't ever going to be hard for you. But it means that, like, you have the gumption, like, you know that you can make it through. And, like, for me with the triathlon, I had to know that I could make it through. And it was so crazy in that whole situation, just fun fact, since we're talking about it. <laughs> um, the whole time, like, after I got out, after I finished the swim, and I was I was on the bike. Now, the bike was my slowest thing, training with everything. Um, I don't know why, <laughs> but the bike was my slowest part. And I just, like, remember being on the bike and seeing people pass me and all this other stuff. And, like, in a triathlon, again, give you a little timer um I think mine was on my wrist or something like that um and you it ca- it counts your time so that they can tally up like uh what place you were in or whatever so like my swim I knew I was going to be good I've been swimming all my life I'm a certified lifeguard or was a certified lifeguard it expired so like I knew my swim was going to be good my swim was great uh, my bike was slow and I just remember seeing people pass me on the bike and pass me and pass me people who I knew I passed in the swim and I was like damn I was like I can't I can't like you know get where I need to go but like again I had to go back to like I was going back to what my trainer said because he was always like and his name is Jay Schultz he actually owns a gym too um, in yeah, Fairburn I've heard the name before okay yeah. yeah and he owns a gym called Trainer Die Complex in Fairburn and um or I think it's on Old National uh, okay so anyways, and he was just like, don't worry about it. In my head, he was always, you know, drilling into me during training. Don't worry about if people pass you on the bike because you're going to kill them on the run. And I was like, OK. So like throughout that whole process, he made me run so much. I used to hate <laughs> and I still hate running. But um, and he used to make me run so much like running like with crazy stuff, like holding eight pound medicine balls and running a mile, you know, like doing all kind of stuff, building up my endurance. So like I was watching people pass me on the bike, watching them pass me. And I'm like, damn it. And I was like, and then I could hear his voice. You're going to kill him on the run. You're going to kill him on the run. So when I finally got uh, off the bike, I think I don't remember how many miles it was. It might have been like 10 or 15 miles. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I got off the bike and. I started the run and I was like, all right, my legs at first, they were like jelly legs. I was like, but he told me they was going to feel like jelly. So I already knew I was going to be here. So I was like, okay, Kendra, you got to push through, push through, push through. And I mean, I'm running and running and I'm passing people who was passing me on the bike because I'm watching them because they were not prepared. Like they were not prepared for the way your legs were going to feel. People are stopping. People are crouched over and I'm running, like running, 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 running. And like, it was just like, you know, it was just amazing feeling because I was like okay I'm doing it I'm doing it and after a while like I think maybe with the training like me being physically ready for this and then with the mental like health you know me being mentally ready for this I was able to talk myself out of that jelly leg feeling like in my head um a song that was popular during the time where I was doing this was the song started from the bottom now we hear by Drake so (laughs) that is what started playing in my head I was like because on the bike I was feeling like I was at the bottom but when I got to the to the run I was like oh I started from the bottom now I'm here and I'm getting through it and like eventually you know I crossed the finish line and there were a lot of people there and I was like damn did I did I finish last like my mom was there my best friend was there uh my brother was there and they were all there and they were like yeah 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 
you did it, you did it. So eventually, you know, I crossed the finish line. And then at the end, once everybody finished the race, um, they tallied it all up. And I ended up winning first place in my age group. And I was like, what? So my best friend had my trainer on the phone the whole time because he wasn't able to make it down there um, because the triathlon was in Florida. And he was like, um, and so the whole time, like, I couldn't hear him, but she could. And she was talking to him. And afterwards, she told me, she was like, yeah, man. She was like, Jay Killer was going crazy. Because, like, when when I was swimming... Um, somebody had like bumped into me or, or jumped over me. It's, it was something crazy that happened when I was swimming, but I still ended up being good with some, cause I'm a very strong swimmer. Like, um, yeah. I've been swimming my whole life, like I said, so it wasn't an issue for me, but like, she was like, yeah, Jay Killer was going crazy. You know, he was doing this and he was saying that. And like when they had jumped on you in the pool and I was like, what? And, so, um, but yeah, like the three things, like, I, and I think there's another like saying about the power of three or things coming three, you know? Yes. Um, so I definitely, definitely think that it's so important that you're building that up with, especially with the youth, because if that was something that I had realized as a, as a teenager before I became an adult and had to learn right. all of that, <laughs> I would have been right. in a much better place, like starting off. And it's so Absolutely. important for young people to have, you know, positive influences in their life like you. So that's amazing that that's something that you're giving to them, um, because that's going to be worth more than anything they'll probably ever receive in their life. They'll always be able to go back and think about the time that they were training at the fighter for life gym and that they are fighters for life. Like they can literally go through life and say that like, I am a fighter for life. And that is something that is worth more than gold that you're giving back to these, to uh, children and adults because adults need it too, you know? Um, But (laughs) that's awesome. So I just want to thank you for coming on. Do you want to plug any of your social, uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram? Uh, yeah, I mean, for anybody out there listening, please follow me on Instagram at afighterforlife.com. I mean, excuse me, a fighter for life on Instagram. And that's with the numerical four. It's mm-hmm. A-F-I-G-H-T-E-R, numerical four life and um also you can follow me on facebook we have our business page a fighter for life on facebook and you can follow me personally on um facebook as rockman ali kendra i appreciate you um this has been a great conversation and it's been truly a blessing you know thank you i appreciate you you, man hey no problem anytime anytime thank you for coming on As usual, thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Hidden Gems podcast. Thank you so much to everybody who has been showing such an overwhelming amount of support. Um, If you want, you can go follow me on Twitter. Um, My Twitter is Hidden Gems underscore underscore pod. My Instagram is Hidden Gems underscore underscore pod. And you can also follow me on YouTube. My YouTube is still Kendra's Treasures, but you can look for like the Hidden Gems playlist and it'll have all of my podcast um, episodes from 2021 and forward on there. Sometimes you will actually be able to see the person, like see the conversation we're having. Sometimes it'll be on Zoom. Sometimes it'll be a picture and you'll just hear the audio again. But go on there and give your girl some views. Um, Subscribe like share on all of my platforms everything that i'm posting 
Um, it really helps to get me out there. And if you haven't already, leave me a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And I believe Google Podcasts, you can leave ratings as well. It just makes it easier for other people to be able to find me when they're looking for me because there are a few other Hidden Gems podcasts um, out there. But I really need you guys to help me to stand out. Mine is actually a lot different, though, from the other ones that I've seen. But thank you again for tuning in. And I will talk to you guys or you will hear my voice next Monday.